0: The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good and gracious. You've given us your word and you've told us um, not just how you want us to live, but how you've lived that life for us and um, died for our sins and given us your own righteousness. It's all in your word, the promise of heaven and the instructions for earth. So we ask God that you would uh, just bless us. Uh, Both to receive the redemption that you have offered to us, and to receive the new life uh, that you have given to us in your Son Jesus. God, we pray it in His name and for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, week six in the Sermon on the Mount. Can I ask you a question before we get started? How are we doing on Matthew? And 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 there's no right answer to this at all. So we're gonna uh, next week's our last one in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be off. For the holidays, we'll pick back up on January 9th. It's a great place. We'll either pick back up with chapter 8 in Matthew and keep going, which Matthew has 28 chapters, uh, or you can stop for a little while and come to do something else and come back. How are you feeling about Matthew? I like
1: it. Keep going.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like Matthew. Stay with Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Would you tell me if you didn't want me to stay with Matthew? Okay, all right, good. You
1: know us, (laughs) Partially.
0: Six years in. Do you know today is my liturgical six, I I think it's the 14th is the actual, but it's uh, Advent 3 is my liturgical anniversary as your rector. Six years. Six years. Seems like 26. hundred and six. Just
2: remember when he started, he had a full head
0: of hair. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and none of it was gray. All right. Well, we are uh, in week six on the Sermon on the Mount, and we now know firmly that the Sermon on the Mount is the description of...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me? The law...
0: The law. Yes, it is, because it it puts the law almost, I mean, not almost, out of reach, right? I mean, it is the height of the law. And don't hold back, just come on, don't be afraid to speak
1: up. (laughs) How we should live our lives.
0: How we should live our lives. The heart, we're all getting there.
1: Maturity.
0: Maturity, yes. I know it's just right on the tip of your tongue. The repentant life. Talked about this a lot. Jesus begins his ministry by saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he gives us the Sermon on the Mount as the description of the repentant life. And the very first line in the Sermon on the Mount is, Blessed are who? His first ones? The poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And we said that poverty of spirit is that you are coming to the end of yourself. It's not that you're sad or brokenhearted, which of course the Lord has a special place in his heart for the brokenhearted, but it's that you are at the end of yourself. We're giving up our self-salvation projects. And, and, and so we're turning our, our salvation over to the Lord, who's the really He's the only one who can handle it, right? The Sermon on the Mount describes what repentance looks like. This is not um, it, it, it well let me say it like this this is not how you repent but it is the life of the person who has repented that's that's an important distinction it is not how you repent it's the life of the person who has repented and of course it's not perfect i mean uh, mickey said that we it's it is the law and it is the law it, it puts the it shows us more than any other part of the scripture how much we need a savior because it says if you not just get through life without killing somebody, but if you hate anybody in your heart, you've committed the same sin. Well, so much for that. You know, but nice, nice knowing you. So, um, the law is completely out of reach. But it also describes, you know, the thing about grace is that it creates in us what the law it, um, it can't achieve. It, the law cannot enable us to perform what it requires. Grace enables us to do what the law requires. And so, um, because we love God, and so we're repenting. Repentance is a daily action. It's not just stop doing bad stuff and start doing good stuff. It is uh, that we are turning our hearts towards God. If we get to week seven and you don't know about repentance, we're going to be upset. No, I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm just, I'll say it again. I won't get tired. about. I won't ever get tired of talking about repentance because it's not just I mean, we actually talk a lot about it in the sermon today. It's not a finger wag; it's an invitation. It's an invitation to restoration. So, uh, the Sermon on the Light is the description. The sermon on the Mount is the description of the repentant life. Okay, and it's fundamentally a daily practice. Repentance. It's not just a one-time thing like when did you give your heart to Jesus. It's it's a daily practice, minute by minute, sometimes, of trusting in God and not in ourselves. And uh, naming the thing that we're at the end of is very good. Like that's called conf- confession, right? It's uh, naming our sins uh, and trusting in God's salvation once again. Uh, so to remind you where we are now in the sermon, as we begin chapter seven, Jesus has set the stage for the sermon with the Beatitudes. That's the preamble. And remember, poverty of spirit over and over again. That's we blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the um, those who mourn their sins because we've, we've uh, come to the end of ourself and, then we're, and we see God's righteousness and we're, so we're mourning our sins and we will be comforted because God's given us His righteousness. And then we're, that humbles us, so blessed are the meek. And on and on, we hum, begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness and, and it's, it is a progression of maturity that, and the, the, um, the rest of the sermon is describing what that life of maturity looks like. And so Jesus shows us that following Him and ultimately faithfulness uh, to following the law of God is not external, but is internal. Faithfulness is not simply getting through life without committing adultery or murdering or coveting or whatever that is, good luck getting through life without coveting, but it is is, uh, about loving God for those things. In other words, if I'm just not killing somebody so that I... Uh, can go to heaven, who am I really serving? Myself. But if I get through life without killing somebody because I love my fellow man because God told me to and I love God, then that is, let's just call it better. That is fulfillment of the law. So the last couple of weeks, we talked about the implications of our own piety. Remember, uh, when you uh, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You're not You're not going after the affirmation of others. You're giving to God. Audience of one. And you're praying. You're not trying to impress other people with your words, or not try to avoid looking foolish to other people uh, with your words. You are just praying to God. You don't care what you sound like. Right? Uh, and we talk about fasting uh, as well. We're doing it for God and not for others. Now we're beginning to look and look at our relationships with others because you know even though if we're audience of one, doing it for doing our practicing our piety uh, before God and not for others, we still got to live with other people, right? We got we. Gotta live. <laughs> We've got to live together. So uh, we're looking at our relationships with others. So let's turn to chap- uh, verse 1, chapter 7. You should have the handouts. I did 25 handouts. and It looks like there's, that's probably right about enough. Got, We've got, yeah, got like or like one or two more right over here. Yeah. Or if you've got your Bible or something, like that, you can turn well, it on. You're all, you should have a Bible on your phone for when you're stuck in traffic waiting on a marathon, you can just <laughs> <laughs> pull it out you have to be parked pardon me you have to be I mean, parked oh no yes, got to, yes <laughs> only stop don't read your bible when you're driving down San Jose that's not audio bible that's that's much better okay alright here's here's one of our most our, our culture's most beloved verse right now
1: <laughs>
0: judge not that you be not judged judge not that you be not judged that's what it's the words of Jesus better not do it taken a little out of context. We'll come back to that. (laughs) Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Alright, so judge not that you be not judged, or judge not lest you be judged. I could find no translation that actually says those words, judge not lest you be judged. It's not King James, it's, I don't know what it is, it's just the culture's version of it. But it's it's basically. I mean, it's not. That doesn't take it completely. The words aren't exactly wrong. Incredibly misunderstood. What does Jesus mean? What does Jesus mean? Breathing. You
3: Mind your own business.
0: Mind your own business. <laughs> Don't pay attention. Don't have any opinions about other people. Keep them to yourself. Well, keep your opinions to yourself. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You've got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of somebody else. you got to take care, of your, take care of yourself first, yes. Yes, before you can take care of somebody else. Well, that almost seems selfish, but in the in the context of judgment, yes, we want to judge ourselves first. Right? I think That's that, good. That, that's would a very...
1: Sorry, It's along the line of forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who okay. trespass against us. Yes. Yes.
0: Along the same lines, so that we the measure that we use will be used for us, right? So, forgiveness is the same way as judgment. Uh, John and then Richard. Yeah. Well, often
3: when we judge people, we're judging ourselves because yeah. of what we see in others is what bothers us.
0: Yeah, it, is, it takes, it takes a, a wise person to realize that what irritates me about that other person actually is uh, just my own insecurity about myself. Yeah, but that is, um. Most of the time we don't realize that. We just are jerks. So but thank you. That's that's a really good it's a really good insight. Yes, Richard. It reminds us that there's really only one judge. That's right. It reminds us that there's really only one judge. So often we'll hear, you know, who are you to judge me? You know, uh, the Bible says don't judge. It's always set on the defensive, and always set on the defensive. Don't judge me. You're not supposed to judge others. I don't want your opinion about me. This is our, I was talking about in the sermon again a little bit, the individualistic culture that doesn't leave any room for others to speak truth into our lives. And yet, Jesus does actually seem to be siding with those who might be defensive and says to those who would judge, don't look at yourself. I mean, don't don't look at other people. Look at yourself, right? He has just exhorted his hearers not to be like hypocrites, well, wait a second, Jesus. You just said don't judge. How do you get to call them hypocrites if you are not judging? Is Jesus himself being a hypocrite?
2: Well, he is. He's lived a perfect life.
0: He's well, he's the judge. Yeah, but, okay. So, But if you've lived a better life than me, then do you get to, you know, does that qualify you? I mean, what's
2: the...
0: I mean, I, let's, we'll just grant that Jesus is, you know, qualified to be the judge. No question about that. But he just told us not to judge, and he called people hypocrites. What's the, what's the deal? He actually then goes on in verse 6, which we didn't read quite yet. Don't give to dogs what is holy, or throw out your pearls before pigs. Cast your pearls before swine. Uh, it's, that sounds a little judgmental. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at somebody and I'm calling them a dog or a pig, that sounds like I've made a judgment. What in the world? Have we found a have we found a flaw in Jesus's logic? Wasn't
3: that an example because they were considered unclean and unfit, and so he was just using that as an example.
0: Well, sure, it uses an example, but I I can use an example and be kind of uh, either hypocritical or, or um, obscene or or something like that. I mean, I can tell you, I can use all sorts of colorful words to tell you all to quit doing what you're doing you know what i mean like that's uh I, in fact i've yelled at my kids because of their yelling is that i mean that's <laughs>
1: let's just go there <laughs>
0: so jesus warns against false prophets in verse 15 we'll look at that next week he has already told us not to be like hypocrites he's already talked about he's getting ready to talk about dogs and pigs none of those things are possible without using our critical faculties Right? Many, many, many scriptural passages exhort us to use godly discernment between good and evil, both in our own lives and in the lives of others. So, in the context of scripture, judge not cannot mean that we are not to make any value judgment. And that above all else we are to mind our own business. It can't mean that. Jesus is not saying, do not use your judgment. God gave you judgment. The problem is with the English language that both those things are the same word. You have critical faculties that you are to employ both for your own safety and your moral acuity and your maturity in growing in Christ. If you don't use your judgment, then you're just going to flounder around. Make bad choices. Well, who's to say they're bad? They're my choices. Well, that, now we're in individualism and paganism and... and you have to use your judgment rather we are to avoid having a condemning spirit condemnate consider it like this condemnation to pronounce someone's eternal destiny is a grave and terrible responsibility and it belongs only to God and so we when we say well they're just going to hell or you know whatever it is like that I mean if we if we it's. It is okay if someone is doing something that is not right. You should make a judgment and not join them. It does not mean that you stop loving them. That and that I think takes some real maturity to not associate someone's behavior with their person and to love them despite uh, their actions, especially when their actions have hurt you. And that's really. Even for those of us who are repentant, our temptation is still to put ourselves on the throne where only God belongs and to tend to His business for Him. Who wants to give an example? <laughs> Lots of us, we can come up with examples of how, when that has been done to us. We don't want to get to examples of how we've done that to others. And these pop- not publicly. Yes,
1: Kate. I'll give an example. A a number of old times here know this example. But decades ago, I went off the deep end when I was divorced. Uh And I was still a chalice or a church and everything else. And not one person in that church came to me to talk to me about where my life was going and what it was doing to God's glory with people sitting in that congregation Mm -hmm. knowing how I was behaving only one good friend tried, but I wasn't ready to receive it. Yes. But when God did send that motorcycle accident that <laughs> shook me up and got me back on track, I was really angry at that congregation mm. that only one person, and it wasn't even my priest, who took me aside and tried to talk to him.
0: I mean, it's a slippery slope. I, I, I'm very nervous, personally, about Caring for people in that way. And very much. She wasn't,
1: she wasn't condemning. Yes. She came as a friend. Yeah. Who cared about me, and I think that's probably what the difference is.
0: That she is really incredibly bold. Vul- I was actually kind of—I didn't really expect anybody to give an example. Thank you so much. That's very vulnerable, and uh, we honor you for 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 your trust in this group. And we also uh, bless you for trusting us, um, and we thank God for His work in your life. Um, when we tend to God's business as a judge, we t- at our worst, we delight in it. Right? It's evidence of our own sinfulness that to condemn others helps us to feel better about ourselves. To have a condemning spirit is to have uh, left a posture of repentance and return to a posture of self-righteousness. And uh, to have a condemning spirit is to have forgotten our minute-by-minute need of God's grace and likewise uh, to have ceased to turn to Him for mercy. Because when we remember that poverty of spirit, then we know that we also were in need of mercy. And so at the very least, poverty of spirit allows us to be empathetic to those who are acting out from a Christian perspective. So we want to. So given Katie's example, someone could have used and should have used uh, their good judgment to say that that those things were not right and yet not a condemning spirit but a loving spirit to to draw you back in. So, let me give an example. There's There's a few examples. Politically, I don't know if you've noticed that things are a little bit divided in our uh, culture right now about political uh, politics. And actually, I think this church—you know—we actually have people on all sides, and I think we do a pretty good, pretty good job. Um, but I wonder if we can disagree with someone's opinions and still love the person. I mean, it's easy to say yes until we are in the conversation. We see the flag hanging off the back of their truck, or we see the sticker on the back of their Prius, or we um, we. Oh, I guess it wasn't a very nice joke, but the um the um when we.
2: Now you just sides I just okay I, just just to both equal. Um, the can
0: can we can we argue the the ideology and love the person. I think it takes discipline. And I see lots of examples of, uh, well, I say many more examples of associating our hatred for the ideology with the person who holds it. And I think that requires uh, repentance on our part. Um, theologically. Can we love someone who disagrees theologically with us? opinions that some people don't like about um, well I'll just say sexuality is, is one example, a very, very blatant example. I find myself on what is called the conservative side of those, those arguments. I try uh, what I'm not holding those things because I'm trying to be conservative but because I'm um, trying to read the Bible faithfully. What I had was sort of the, the ethos that I was in early on was that the people who disagreed are really just fake Christians. And that is a, that's a condemning spirit. What I've found is that people who disagree with me love Jesus and love the Scriptures, and they too are trying to be faithful. But where I'm trying to read the fall in this position because I'm trying to read the Scriptures faithfully. They too are trying to read the Scriptures faithfully and love and include and, um, and bless. And somehow, contrary to what I was taught, in the, or, or the ethos that I was I've been in, uh, those churches are flourishing. And the Holy Spirit seems to be present. What are we to do with that? Well, perhaps we can learn to love, we can talk about the ideology, the theology, but we can learn to love the person and the people in such a way that we are actually free to have good conversations. And I've had some wonderful conversations. Rather than just fighting. Yes. That also, kind of
2: what it means when I don't know he said it, Paul, work out your own repentance in some way. Yes,
0: he says that in uh, Philippians two, second half of Philippians two, I think. Work out your faith with fear and trembling. Is that what you're talking about? Or, or you know, so or working out your repentance. Out, I think that's what.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'd have to look up. I'd have to look that up. I, I'm not prepared to. To answer that exactly, because I'm not sure what we're talking about. But let's look at it. That'd be, that'd be good to look at. I got a yes, ma'am. How
3: do you approach some? How do you approach it from a Christian attitude when somebody has an ideology like you talked about that's completely different than your own? You don't want to get involved in it. What's the loving way to say that you don't agree?
0: Well, uh, so to act. What's the loving way to talk about it? If they want to talk about it, but you don't want to talk about it? Is that right? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, they're
3: trying to convince you or tell you why they believe that way, and I believe in total opposition, What what would be the best way for me to say?
0: I think the best thing to do is to listen with an open heart and to tell them you love them, and you'll think about it. That's what I think. I think closing our ears to something we don't think we agree with is actually um, actually says we don't have a lot of confidence in what we believe in. We don't but want I to be challenged. Say,
3: like, I hear what you're saying, and that's noncommittal.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I don't know what the right script is. I mean, the main thing is is thank you for sharing that with me. I'm not I'm not in the same place okay. uh, on that, but you know, if you think don't say they have made good points if you don't think they have, but just say you know I'm, I just. Anyway, just, just say, yeah, don't say you agree. Just say, I love you. I'm not there, but, man, yeah, I love you.
2: One and then two. Okay. Just real quick on what you were saying. I think that by listening, because that's the first thing that popped in my head, is you're also understanding why they hold those positions. Why and Why they hold those positions. And maybe that could give you more insight into where you are closer together you know, or where the differences are. So you, you understanding where they're coming from could shed a lot of light on that. But what I think is really ironic is you mentioned the difference. When you said the different in different theologies than somebody else, is sometimes almost easier to get along or not get along with, but to have a conversation or, or have a disagreement with. I don't feel maybe maybe not so much me, but I see people maybe not disagreeing with a Jew or a Muslim or Hindu as much as they disagree with a Christian who well, holds it's one it's different. Yeah. Ideology than them and that's just that, that to me is just blows my mind Yeah, you know somebody who's a completely different world view okay yeah sure whatever oh wait you don't believe that the water, wine, whatever You, you all of a sudden now that's a person you want to argue
0: there with there is a sense in which we feel like we have more to argue about inside the family than, than outside the family right. like it's not we're just not even talking about we can't build a house on a foundation that's completely shaped different you know like it's, it's uh, so uh, there may be something to that, but but you're right. I think sometimes we get more upset about that.
2: And those are the, people we, need.
0: the whole thing is we gotta love. Now, listen, Jesus gives this. Jesus gives this great example. Oh wait, I, I skipped over John. John, just say.
3: Yeah. In some of my Bible studies, I've been in classes where people have come up with ideas, and it's like, where did they get back from that scripture? And when I thought about it. Is where that person is at in their walk, right? And so,
0: oftentimes, we come up against things that we don't agree with, and we have to learn to disagree agreeably. Learn to, and to learn to disagree agreeably, and I think that's that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I think that, um, that what I have come to love about the folks who disagree with me theologically, and they've come to love me, and I, it's just, um, and we can really bless each other's ministry and partner in a lot of really wonderful things. So um, I, I think it's really important. And um, and so that's I think Jesus gets there when he uses this example, which I think would have made the people laugh
2: when they were sitting on the
0: mountain, sitting on the on the grass there. And he says, you know, why are you gonna why are you gonna uh, look at the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in your own eye? Uh, I think I feel like Amy has said to me more than once. It's hard to hear you with that plank in your eye.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> to which I reverted back to uh, repentance, uh, judgment. Um, no, it's it's just you know it's clear we have to spend much much more time with our own judging ourselves. I mean that's what repentance is, self judgment. Putting ourselves under the mercy of God and appealing to His righteousness. I may be wrong on some of those issues. My job is not to, not to fiddle with everybody. My my job is to bring myself before the Lord. Yes.
1: I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, "Don't judge others because they sin differently." Yes. don't judge
0: others because they oh. sin differently than you well that's a yes. Yes. <laughs> name of the father son the yeah. <laughs>
3: yes doc uh, if you look at what the conversation we're having right now and look at, look at uh, verse 6 there might be a
1: pretty good tie in right there
0: well let's, let's mosey on down to uh, verse 6 do not give dogs what is holy do not throw your pearls before pigs as they trample under them underfoot and turn to attack you. Anybody ever here been attacked by a pig? I hear that is not a fun example. Of a, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Those tusks, man! I tell you, not not a fun thing. Uh, again, he can't be talking about judgment. He's talking about people who are stubborn to the gospel, right? He's not saying don't don't judge. Uh, do judge the dogs, the people who are like dogs, but don't judge. The, I, you know, you have to. Yeah. Say so if someone is stubborn to the gospel, we have to realize that, with, and, and you need to kill them with kindness. Right? Mm-hmm. You need to love them. You're not going to reason. You don't try to waste your time trying to reason them into your version of the kingdom because your logic is going to seem completely illogical to them. Right? Show them the difference in your life. Doc. Yeah, uh,
3: the, that's that's kind of kind of the point here. I mean, uh, we have a gift of discernment when we have the Holy Spirit. And the challenges that you're talking about, sometimes the best thing we can do is kindly don't say nothing or say it's above my pay grade right now yeah. and, and, uh, and, and just walk away because that, that moment
0: can be very critical in how that person sees you. Yes.
3: And so being armed with the gospel and the, and, and the love of the Holy Spirit guards your heart with all diligence for out of it comes the issue of life. That's right.
0: And uh, that's the way I look at that. That's right. Yeah, we we've got. It is so important to love each person in the moment, and um, and to have that space rather than. I mean, there's some you know we can have uncomfortable conversations if we love each other, or if we're committed to love. Uh, the person, even if we're not committed to liking, you know. I mean, I think it's, you know that's a, that's a good step too. But um, but but to honor God and how we love love our neighbor
3: powers of darkness, love, would love to draw you into a conflict, to a verbal battle.
0: Nothing like would, would please the devil more it than would, for the church to be split up over how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. Yes, Kate.
1: Uh, I just try to remember that I am called to love and respect all creatures in God's creation. Mm-hmm. And to remember that only He truly knows what's in the heart of that person. And try to be the image He wants us to be to others. To keep, not to push them the other way, but to draw them in to what we have found.
0: Yes. You know, He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And and make sure everybody's theology is as correct as yours. (laughs)
1: That's not...
0: (laughs) That's not what he says. You know, like, I mean, I think it's good to have this theological discussions. It's just not, it's much more important. I mean, it's just much more important how we love. It is, theology is important. Don't get me wrong. I love theology. And but we pray. still want to treat others the and way we pray. want to be treated. Yeah, right. Well, pray for them. Well, well, pray for them and ask them to yeah. pray for me. I mean, I, think, I mean, I've actually had some really wonderful uh, conversations like that. You know, we'll pray. I may be wrong. Pray for me. Uh, the bishop in Alabama <laughs> we, we didn't really see eye to eye on some things but man it was great for to have him pray for me
1: well, one of our, and, and vice versa one of our prayers was to take the blinders from the eyes and mm-hmm. the hardness from the heart yeah. but also in any way we are not discerning correctly his word to open our eyes and hearts as well
0: we just gotta stay poor in spirit that's where it's blessed, that's where we're blessed it's a blessed place Poor spirit. Poor spirit. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and all your dreams will come true. <laughs> uh, knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who uh, asks, receive, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What do you make of that? Will all your dreams come true? Oh, no. Yeah. No. So what does he mean? You're gonna, because you know, you're you're sitting there singing with Bono, right? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What what um, what what in the world uh, does Jesus mean when he says uh, to the one the one who seeks is going to find? It's yes, Jane. Not a one-time time thing. Not a one-time. What do you mean by that? It's
1: a continual seeking, knocking, asking, and our faith
2: grows while we're doing that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we
0: say when. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. we're asking we're seeking okay when
0: yes yeah. yes um,
2: and
1: it it doesn't say for everyone for everyone who asks receives a positive answer
0: yes said it doesn't every, it doesn't say everyone who asks will get the answer they want Yes, will receive a positive answer yeah that's right God's, God's sovereign, God's, God's, sovereign. God's, God's sovereign sometimes what if I had a friend named uh, Craig Smalley. He's the interim dean now of the cathedral where I served in Birmingham, and he said, uh, "Lord, help us if we get everything we want." <laughs> oh,
1: well.
0: Wouldn't that be awful? <clears throat> in retrospect, it'd be great right now, uh, starting right after Christmas. Right? <laughs> um, uh, you know, we, we we want we often want things that aren't good for us, and so Lord, help us if we get what we want. If God, actually. Knows what we need, and so um, ask, and it will be given to you. When, when you pray, God hears you. For sometimes He holds the answer behind His back for reasons known only to Him. Sometimes, because I think if He gave us what, what we're after, we'd look at the thing and not at Him. And sometimes we think, "All right, God, I have been looking at You for so long. <laughs> give me, just give me something. You got to give me something." And still, He holds it behind His back. And I don't know why that is, because I know some people sometimes it feels like people just he's like got a pinata over here, just just candy everywhere, and and it's you know, dry bones over here where I where I want and or, or my friend wants and or whatever and I just like why does it why is it like that? And I don't know.
3: God has a plan and God. God has a plan enacted for each phase of our life. And very often, if we're praying in a certain way, we can get ourselves out of that plan that He has enacted for us. Yes,
0: and you know what we lose in that moment? Poverty of spirit. <laughs> you hear this, well, I've got one string. Uh, all, all day long, I'm playing on that guitar. Poverty of spirit, poverty of spirit. And 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 so, He says, which of you... This is, so He's talking about the goodness of God. Which of you, if His Son asking for bread, is going to give Him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, chuckles in the crowd, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask? But boy, it doesn't come quick, does it? And sometimes this is in retrospect, and sometimes we realize that it was a motorcycle accident that we were so blessed by. But man, it wasn't comfortable in the moment for probably years
2: afterwards, and maybe still. Yes? Is there an element here, maybe, it never specifies what you're asking for, what you should be asking for. Is there maybe an element here of asking for the right things, asking for faith, asking for grace, the ability to love your neighbor better, the strength to to love your neighbor better, to understand understand Scripture? Is there an element here, maybe, that's implied or understood that more what you're asking about, instead of asking for... Riches, fame, wealth, whatever. You know, I think that's a really good. Uh, we, we like to take this and apply it to those earthly yes. requests. Yes. We really probably should be more the heavenly, the spiritual
0: requests. So, Josh is saying, that the, does it matter what we're asking for? And I think in the context of the sermon, it does. Because we've just talked about not being judgmental. We've talked about remembering uh, not just the, the maturity and poverty of spirit, mourning our sins. We don't ever want to leave those things. Because uh, that's where the blessing is, but but actually being more concerned with our own sanctification than with our neighbors. Our job is to love them and to bless them, not to correct them. I mean, we you know, except and I've got a group of guys that I that I have accountability with, and I've invited them and they've invited me into uh, that where I need to be. I'm going to be vulnerable with them and say, next week when we get together, I want you to ask me how I treated my wife this week, and they will. And um, and so, uh, and it's their business because I've made it their business, which is good. But if someone up, you know, just uninvited comes and say, "Hey, I just need to speak the truth to you in love," like run away, you know, like <laughs> run. No, listen graciously, but you know, and it, it is um, it is harder to receive accountability that is uninvited. But we want to open ourselves, I think. Uh, to that. And thank God for people who do look in our lives and love us still and actually want to guide us to holiness. Yeah. But before you are that person who guides your friend to holiness, take the log out him your own eye. I mean, you need to be on, you might even be with other people on your knees praying for the right opportunity. It's hard. I mean, I, I, I'm... I do not claim to be good at it. Some, if a parishioner falls into sin, especially like a couple, um, it's much easier to, to to minister to the one that is hurting and coming to me and leave the other. And I don't know what to do with that because the other one is still my parishioner. It's I mean, it's, it's hard. Pray for mercy. Pray for mercy. Joe?
1: Yes? One thing about this verse, 2, 8, a- I think that this is saying that you need to be persistent in prayer. Because it's saying like for everyone who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. It's like you got to keep at it. You
0: can't just... Stay on it. Give it up. Yes. You know,
1: it, it's showing a progression of be honest. You know, really keep praying for whatever it is
0: that you want. And you know, I, I know you because I've... You know, I've been here six years, so um, I know that there are things in your life that you you feel like you have to pray for perpetually, over and over again. Either things in your own life, in your own heart, things in your family, and it is very hard just to keep that poverty of spirit before the Lord and and not to get bent out of shape with him. And in fact, he can take it, but you know, we still have to bring it before him. Because there's things that just break our heart. and We think, "Why in the world is God not solving this?" And I don't know the. I don't have an answer for that. What I know is that we are called to be diligent with our own sanctification, and to love our neighbors, ourselves, and to bless and not to curse, and um, to try to honor Jesus and let Him handle the rest. And it is hard. Yet we still, even the folks that are just breaking our hearts, we want to treat them as, just to finish this passage, treat them as we would want to be treated, particularly if we were in that situation, because they for the grace of God, we go.
2: There
0: is, it is, um, I think the further we get into the sermon, I hope you're seeing that the harder it is. This is not just practical Christianity. This is um, it's the proving ground for our call for mercy. So there's more we can say, but I, I gotta go to church. Um, let's just say a prayer, Father. I just there's a sense in which we just long for your resolution for the things we pray for. We want, we just want to knock on heaven's door, but we just our arms get tired, Lord. So we just pray, God, that you would give us strength to keep knocking, or to or to bring resolution, to bless those who are breaking our hearts. Provide where we need provision, and God, we just um, we pray for faith, pray for your intervention first in our lives to remove the the logs of those specks that break our hearts. Lord, pray for resolution. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. See you in church.